All right, guys, welcome back to the Truth in Coaching podcast. Today, I'm bringing you a conversation from the archives where Jordan and I discuss how to participate in a kettlebell event, how to get ready for your first one, and just the idea of kettlebell lifting in general. Training kettlebells and coaching them have always been and always will be integral to my personal style of coaching, but choosing to participate in an event is something that is relatively universal to sport. So, I hope you enjoy learning about the five W's, who, what, where, when, why, and sometimes how of getting ready for a kettlebell, in this case, marathon, which also happens to be our annual charity fundraiser. So, kick back and enjoy. Nobel Down Challenge, which is a um, one hour of kettlebell long cycle, which um, you probably know nothing about, and so we're rolling in some footage to help understand what's going on there, but I have Jordan with me, one of our kettle athletes. I'm Joshua, pleased to see you today, and yeah, let's make this a little bit freeform, talk about what happened in October, Mm -hmm. which we're doing this really late. Um, This is... February, yeah, which is, no, because October is the zero, so November is the one, November, December, January, February, so we're four months out, which, if we're thinking of this as a difficult athletic thing, um, we're legitimately, like, at the bottom of the Mm off-season for putting together another one, Um, but yeah, so, Why? 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 You, because I pushed you into it. Yes, right? but when I saw it, I honestly loved how it looked, loved the idea of it. It looked very challenging, um, and so that's why I pretty much jumped right into it, and I also had a really great coach yeah. to help me through it. No, coaching matters, and one of the reasons that, um, well, not, not the reason that coaching matters, but the whole point of coaching from my perspective is can I help you learn in 500 reps something that took me 5,000 reps to learn, Mm -hmm. right? How can you actually like hack the brain with the right either drill or the right um, combination of drills and intensity or uh, the right coaching cue or the right analogy? How does that access your brain so that you become instantly more efficient and Mm -hmm. capable of exercising with something? But we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. What was the joke that we were messing with right before... I started pressing record. It was the uh, the unusual suspect. Oh. Which, which is not... Like, unusual suspect, how, not subject. How does it even go? So, so yeah, so kettlebell is an unusual suspect, was the joke. Um, and I meant to say it's the... It's a unusual subject full of the usual suspects. suspects. Yes. So the unusual suspect, kettlebell. Um, a lot of people see celebrity trainers using these in their programs or um, you'll see you know maybe somebody in Hollywood who's getting ready to you know film this or that or Mm -hmm. you'll see it on Instagram somebody doing kettlebell work very few people understand how to apply them 
um, in a very in the very simplest sense possible. Uh, kettlebell work can be almost interchangeable with dumbbells, mm-hmm. but the stability matrix goes barbell, dumbbell, kettlebell, kettlebell right. meaning. The further away you get from the barbell, the less transfer there is in power from one side to another, Mm -hmm. um, the more instability there is because the handle's here and the weight is all the way over here, right? And so it doesn't behave like a dumbbell does, even if you can do most of the exercises. Mm -hmm. So it's inherently more challenging to work with, which can be good for a beginner because if you go light enough and technical enough... Um, it can work stabilizers. It can help you begin to develop muscle that otherwise um, would be hiding behind the stability of other platforms. Um, but then if you go too challenging with that, it can overload a beginner. Right. right. The opposite end of the spectrum is a professional who's competing at a elite competition in kettles is using a tremendous amount of total body integration with the central nervous system and mm-hmm. performing an exercise that's very, very challenging. Honestly, um, similar in terms of like nervous system integration, similar to gymnastics. Yes. Says I. I'm not a gymnastic. I'm, I'm <laughs> six foot five. You know, I have no business doing gymnastics, but um, <laughs> but that's one of the reasons to train kettle sport because it's difficult. It is. It's challenging. It, it's not just like, oh, it's hard on my muscles. It's like, really challenging to learn it is it there's definitely like a huge mental component i think that goes into Mm -hmm. it just because there's a lot of specific techniques you need to learn and not trying to get ahead of yourself or teaching other people to do it because you just want to you know once you start teaching one technique sometimes it's hard not to get ahead of yourself and go right into teaching another technique yeah and if you do that it can be a little bit frustrating for whoever you're coaching or even for yourself um, and then it can kind of just fall apart if you mm-hmm. go too fast with it. But yeah. I think that's why I also really like it. It's just because right. there's so many components that go into it to making sure that you have really good form right. and that you're doing it properly. Right. I mean, like, like anything else athletic or exercise related, like we are using these tools to help us become better people, mm-hmm. to develop better bodies, to develop movement that happens with less pain. Right. Right. Um, and of course, to get stronger. And a lot of that is improving your aesthetic appearance. But a lot of that is also um, just like a building your internal confidence. Exactly. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. Uh, just kind of thinking of when I was coaching a few of my clients with kettlebell. Um, they didn't really have a whole lot of confidence with it because it's, it's an awkward movement if you've never done it before. And like I said, there's a lot of things that go into it and, you know, they would get frustrated. But then the second they actually did the full movement with long cycle, mm-hmm. their face lit up and yeah. they would just get really excited. Yeah. And it, yeah, there's, it was exciting to see that. There's a click moment. There is. And like the skill integrates and you're like, oh my gosh, like I, I, did it. I can use this, <laughs> right? You can actually use it in a workout. Um, oh, that's how it's supposed to feel. Yeah. Like, that feels awesome. And, the, and there is character building as well. Which mm-hmm. I don't think is talked enough about in sports these days. Like people want right. performance, people want uh, achievement, people want glory. Like mm-hmm. let your character get built too. Oh yeah. Um, Coach Dennis, Dennis Vasilev, he says kettlebells is a sport of patience. Yes. And that's extremely true, not just because of how the actual events play out or the training cycles play out, but it's true because 
Um, it will challenge you in a way that you haven't experienced. Mm -hmm. I, I know for a fact, having taught this for like 12 years now and been in this, in this environment, um, working with kettles is a way to hit somebody's panic button really yes, quickly. It is right. It's almost like putting your face in the water. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so it belongs to the group of exercises that I kind of jokingly call land swimming, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which includes uh, battle rope, um, includes kettlebell. Mm -hmm. You could make an argument that rucking belongs in this a little bit because that involves yeah. more upper body strength than walking or running. But, you know, we're using total body. We are using a tremendous amount of aerobics. Mm -hmm. The breathing has to happen on a cycle. Just like if you're swimming and you've got your face in the water and you're blowing up, blowing up, and then you turn to take that, you know, breath. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> kettle breathing has to happen on a cycle as well. So there's a tremendous amount of personal discipline that has to get developed. Um, so really phase one is learning to use a kettlebell in an exercise Mm -hmm. Phase two is integrating that exercise into the context of a workout. So this is where most people stop. Right. Most people stop with swings mm -hmm. or cleans. Uh, maybe they enjoy the technical side of like Turkish getup or something yeah. like that. But like swings or cleans, if they think they're fancy, they do snatch. And then they integrate it into a hit circuit. Mm -hmm. Right. Really um, kind of a CrossFit concept of getting right. a lot of intensity in. Um, but phase three is kettlebell sport, right? which has the disciplines of jerk, mm -hmm. snatch, and then clean and jerk, mm -hmm. which is almost the same as barbell clean and jerk. It's just yeah. the difference is now you're using a moderately heavy weight and going for maximum reps in an amount of time as opposed to... Olympic lifting where you're using a maximum weight and trying to get one quality rep right. and then maybe you get, you know, three attempts or something like that, mm -hmm. depending on the rules of the meet. So, right. so yeah, so now you're exercising with intensity, mm -hmm. you're exercising for strength endurance and the sets are now growing out to five minutes, mm -hmm. growing out to 10 minutes, which is very classic for two bells in one hand, right? Um, but then there are these kind of niche events. They call it uh, like half marathon, 30 minutes of mm -hmm. clean and jerk, um, and then marathon, an hour of clean and jerk. And typically this is done with single bell because at this point mm -hmm. you need to be able to transfer to from one side to the other. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so clean and jerk, also called long cycle. Uh, we're working towards 30 minutes to an hour. Why? 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 <laughs> I mean, <laughs> why does someone want to run a marathon? Well, yeah, because they want to. Yeah, see if they can do it. Like, yeah, it's it's almost it's a challenge. It's almost direct correlation. It's a personal challenge. Yeah. Now, how many professional marathoners are out there that are like seriously trying to get world class times? Like compared to like. compared to the total amount of people that run marathons just no, to do it. Not not a whole lot. I yeah. Feel like. And, like, if you're around fit people at all, or if you're just, like, around people people that like to go to events and do stuff, you probably know some people who either have challenged themselves to do a half marathon mm -hmm. or to do a full marathon, and chances are they don't look like what you would expect. Right. Um, body type, mm -hmm. body composition, more, less, whatever. Um, I know that the, the marathoners that I have met in my life, mm -hmm. like, one of them 
was like a true legitimately putting up really good times and he had the body of a marathoner yeah and then like the rest of them are just average right sometimes you get the short stocky person that wants mm-hmm. to do it so like it's personal challenge it is yeah and the same thing with kettlebells so like without actually trying to make an accurate history mm-hmm. of kettlebells like presumably the kettle comes from a real kettle <laughs> like if you're in like frozen siberia in 1850 and you're like trying to figure out a way to exercise in your hut because there's nothing else to do you've got like your stockpile of kettle. frozen fresh and like maybe some wood and you go out for subsistence living and you know like i mean hey it's a way mm-hmm. and so people become social about that Right. Right. And over time, especially from Eastern Europe, migrating through Western Europe, I guess for the camera that's backwards, Eastern Europe, (laughs) migrating through Western Europe, and then making its way to the United States in the last 20 years, 30 years, is when kettlebells have become popular in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, The Soviet idea is you have a prescription that for your age, weight, skill level you're supposed to do xyz so they apply it to everything all manner of sport is a very uh rocky four kind of concept you see the the strict you know russian mm-hmm. scientists like strictly making their athlete adhere to all these standards yeah um but that was applying to like 10 minute divisions because that mm-hmm. was the sport but all the time in the background has been this personal challenge you know it's like running a mile or running, you know, three miles, the, the 5k concept, right? It's a very standard thing mm-hmm. or, you know, a very standard thing to run to hike, but occasionally somebody wants to go up to the high mountain, right? right? Personal challenge. Yep. To see if they can do it and see so, how well they can do it. Yeah. So the one hour thing was kind of like this coming of age mm-hmm. thing that you had to do. Um, and then in modern context, something happened. The gym that I was working at innovative results in Costa Mesa, California, mm-hmm. was kind of allied with the Orange County Kettle Club, or the Orange Kettle Club, which ironically moved to Oakland, and they're, they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're still the Orange Kettle Club, but they moved to Oakland, and now they've got um, all their training and stuff, and, and Dennis owns that, um, but the uh, Jason Dolby... And some of the others were bringing in this kettle training to our place. And Jason was running one hour long cycle was Mm -hmm. the name of his thing. And he turned it into a charity lift. And, you know, I don't presume to tell his story. I know that there is some like deep seated internal fire and drive to want to suffer through the one hour. Mm -hmm. And he turned it into like a worldwide fundraiser. The idea being that everybody lifts the same hour at the same time. Um, and they uh, experienced it across the whole world. So he synced up, you know, gyms on the East Coast, Texas. They had a gym in Japan. Mm-hmm. And for several years, everybody was, like, Skyping in and lifting at the same time. Um, in the context of this, I'm learning the skills, mm-hmm. and I get invited to my first event, right? And my first event... Um, I, I declined to lift. I was super <laughs> nervous about it, which is where almost everybody is. Almost everybody doesn't want to actually participate in this mm-hmm. first one for some reason. I don't know. Like, it's just like the weirdness of the sport or like perceivably yeah. the difficulty. It's intimidating. Intimidating? Like, watching okay. someone do it. At least for me, 
when I first saw you guys mm -hmm. do it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Never done that before. Yeah. It's a little bit intimidating and to think yeah. about doing that for an hour. Like, wow, yeah. did I actually last that long? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, and my initial experience with the coaching was like, it's just, it's going to take you 5,000 reps to learn this period, right? <laughs> so just suck it up. Yeah. And my technique wasn't good enough to, to have any sort of efficiency. Mm -hmm. um, you want this to feel like running. You yeah. shouldn't have like incredible hot spots across your body. Like mm -hmm. it should be evenly distributed stress. Right. And it takes really efficient technique to do that. It does. Right. So I wasn't there the first time. And so I watched my boss and I watched the other club members and I watched like 50 other people like swing and lift for the first, um, the first time. And, uh, this girl I was dating who I later married, Samantha, <laughs> uh, like I invited her to it just to watch and I felt so cheesy. Like, totally <laughs> Why am I my, watching this? Yeah, why, why am I, why am I watching this? this? I, felt, I felt so dumb, and, um... Did Sam feel the same way? Oh, she was like, why did? Why are you dragging me here? <laughs> and you know that she would have that reaction, just yes. like, like, why am I here? This is so stupid, like, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, and, uh, okay, whatever. So, I determined next time I was gonna do it. Mm -hmm. The second time, I actually lifted, and I, I lifted with a weight that I thought I would not embarrass myself with. Because when you do these, you cannot put the bell down. Right. Which is For why we yeah. Which is why we've branded it as no bell down. Mm -hmm. Now that that has a double meaning, right? Because it means um, kind of the ethos of no man left behind. Mm -hmm. And since we do these for charity and we do these for people that are less fortunate, we want to um, remember that we're not leaving them behind. Right. Right. But mm -hmm. then the double meaning is like, you cannot drop the bell. Yeah. Like or if, you're you, done. if you drop the bell, you have disgraced our gym and you will be like excommunicated. And... Well, and then all the hard work that you put in, like doesn't count really. So yeah. Yeah. And that is a feature of half marathon and marathon formats mm -hmm. in five to 10 minute divisions. You can fail and put the bells down and be done. Right. And you keep your reps. Mm hmm. Right. So for some people that have, you know, a little bit of a sprinting capacity, they can go for it. Right. Right. And, and then if they burn out early, well, yeah, yeah, you missed out on maybe the last two minutes or three minutes or whatever, mm -hmm. but Hey, at least you got some reps here. Not so complete disqualification yep. if you drop the bell or if you commit too many fouls over the mm -hmm. course of doing this. So I picked a 12 kilogram and, uh, my boss at the time, he lifted a 16 or a 20 mm -hmm. or something. And I was like, okay, well, you go over there with the hardcore lifters, and I'm going to lift over here with your wife, and we'll just, like, have a nice little social circle. And it was a nice time, and it was social, and we laughed, and, you know, and I felt so cheesy, because it wasn't that hard. It was kind of like just going for a walk, and I'm, it's nice to be off my feet now. <laughs> right? So that was mm -hmm. no good. So it started to occur to me at some point in here <clears throat> that, like, why wouldn't you actually take this seriously? athletically mm -hmm. now when I moved back here to Colorado and we started uh, peak conditioning and fitness PCF as we affectionately call it because mm -hmm. some bozo decided to name it that big long mouthful um, <laughs> so yeah back here at PCF we're like okay well let's plug in to one hour long cycle mm -hmm. and so we started hosting a local event here and same thing like just trying to last the hour mm -hmm. just trying to see if you can go a little heavier and then right around 
the fifth time that I did this, mm-hmm. I decided I wanted to go for reps. Right, and being now, a little bit more competitive yeah. with it. Now, mind you, my techniques like still had a long ways to go. Right. And if we were to look back at that footage, a lot of those reps probably wouldn't have counted. <laughs> because like the, the full understanding of top <laughs> fixation is something that just right. doesn't completely occur to people. No. Um, but, okay, so I do that. I put in like about 450-ish reps with mm-hmm. the 20. And then I started to realize... Well, let's see what the standards are. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, because this has become a little bit of an international phenomenon as opposed to a personal challenge, mm-hmm. and because it's relatively uncharted waters, people see like world records. So, like, they've got world records in their eyes, right. and they start doing stupid things. Okay. Well, I'm never going to be able to do an hour because somebody else is so much better than me, but I could do two hours and all of a sudden I'll have a world record. (laughs) And so people start doing stupid things and actually hurting themselves. Mm -hmm. And so IKMF, uh, IK International Kettlebell Marathon Federation, Mm -hmm. the Federation or Foundation, I'm pretty sure it's Federation. Um, so they come on the scene and they're like, look guys, we need to standardize this because people are doing stupid things and they're going to hurt themselves Mm -hmm. and they're going to discredit the sport because they're just trying to claim a world record. Right. Right. So IKMF now has standards, helps you comparatively rank where you're at Mm -hmm. and all this sort of stuff. And, uh, I honestly think a lot of that is because of what Jason Dolby did and Mm -hmm. one hour long cycle. Um, problem is with that. Uh, they started publishing the dates for this usually in the middle of October, mm-hmm. but like way too late. COVID right. did a number on everybody. It was like really tough for fitness right. businesses. And so I think they thought the one hour long cycle people thought that like nobody wanted to do it, but like everybody wanted to do it. So they're mm-hmm. like, got a bunch of feedback and they're like, Oh crap. Well, let's put one on the calendar. Right. Well, in the meantime, uh, in a state that is like slightly freer than California, I'm just like, hey, come on, come on. We need a date. Like, we got people that want to do this. So it just made sense to start our own at this point. Um, So we call it Nobel Down for the reasons we already described. Mm -hmm. And uh, dead air. (laughs) Dead air. Um, and, And now we can have a little bit better of a planning horizon. Because we have people that are interested in, yes, the personal challenge, that are interested in the charity aspect of it. And but who are, actually want to train for it. And who actually want to train for it. Mm-hmm. And who actually want to be competitive athletes. Right. So, last time, um, I lifted a 24 kilogram. You lifted a 16. Mm-hmm. Tanya lifted a 12. Janelle lifted a 12. Mm-hmm. And three of us hit the national rank. Yes. Um, one of us hit veteran division national rank, mm-hmm. and then the three of us that hit that were so close mm-hmm. to yeah. getting candidate master of sport. Yep. Like, I think nobody was more than 40 reps away, and a couple yeah. people were like 23 <laughs> reps away, which is just tantalizingly close. It is. I think I was like around 20 reps away. Yeah. So, yeah, it's brutal. But I meant like my personal goal. Yeah. No. <clears throat> my goal was. Uh, 417 reps and I got 383 mm-hmm. and it was rough but we can talk a little bit more about like tactics and right. how to actually put that together in a couple minutes um, so yeah that's my experience like I've put I've done like seven or eight of these at this point and no sign of stopping mm-hmm. um, just honestly getting enough rest to put the will together to start training for it again right 
Um, what about your experience with this? Because you've done two of them now, right? I have. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much when I first started working here. Uh, is when I was introduced to the long cycle, and I pretty much just loved the look of it and told Josh I wanted to be a part of it. And so right away we started training, and I think I had three, four months before um, the Nobel Down event was happening. And it was difficult just because there was a lot of technique that I didn't have and I didn't know a whole lot about it. And I think the hardest thing for me was getting the hinge movement down. And that's what I liked about it is overcoming those mm -hmm. difficult movements and you yeah, know, actually so breaking through. Hinge being the uh, partner movement to squat, so mm -hmm. butt goes backwards, it's kettlebell swing, it's a deadlift, as right. opposed to butt goes down. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. Yep. Um, but for me, I you know I like the long endurance competition, so. I've always been that mm -hmm. kind of athlete, um, mm -hmm. and so the long hour cycle definitely was attracting to me. I was like, yes, let's do it. Um, what was your first one like? Um, you, went, you went pretty fast. I did. Where did I get? I don't remember. Four something. Yeah, it was like yeah. 460 reps. It was high. 12, it was high. 12 kilogram. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it felt pretty good. I felt like it was a little bit easy just because mm -hmm. of the weight. Um, yeah. But with how fast I was going, it definitely, like, the cardio kind of kicked my butt there. Um, and then my second one uh, this last year was hard. Yeah. yeah. The 16s definitely, you know, challenged yeah. challenged me, and I liked it. Um, I think the hardest part for me was, you know, once you reach that, I don't know, for me it was the 40-minute mark. Like, mm -hmm. I'm 40 minutes in, but I have a whole other 20 minutes to go of this. And yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> tough. So that, that gets us to a little bit of uh, training strategies and what makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. Step number one is always enough familiarity mm -hmm. with the technique that you can begin to exercise. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> your body will go through like maybe like some pain in the lower back as long as it doesn't become extreme. If it's like mm -hmm. a healthy kind of pain, you're building capacity to deal with swings. We're teaching the core to engage more. Right. right. Um, and this may, might be like the exploratory phase of training where mm -hmm. people are finding out, okay, like how am I integrating this into my workouts? Right. And then do they even want to start going for a little bit longer? Mm -hmm. Because you might start with just 50 swings. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember if you met Kelly or not, but like she mm -hmm. was, um, in actually pretty dang good shape. She had a heavier chest mm -hmm. and swings killed her. Like, it yeah. took three or four months to get to where she could do 50 swings in a row without back pain. Okay. Right? But that is now integrating the whole mm -hmm. core. So we've actually got everything firing up, and we're not just relying on the back. The back, right. So, like, put all of that into it. Um, then other things have to toughen up, too. Like, your hands mm -hmm. and your fingers and the grip strength and just the endurance and everything going through here, that has to proportionalize. Right. Right? Because it's not ready to keep up with your legs. Right. I think... That just made me think about my first year with uh, the Nobels Down. Mm -hmm. The two things that I do remember hurting were my arches. Yeah. Like my arches were killing me after that. Oh, yeah. And then also my forearms. They mm -hmm. were just exhausted. And then this last year, um, my forearms were a little bit fatigued, but mm -hmm. I had no pain in my arches. And I think yeah. that was one of the things going yeah. into this um, 
event the second time around, I was a little bit worried about because I was like, oh, yeah. I don't want to go through those arch pains. Right, thing. right. But it didn't happen. So. But that's like at the <laughs> that's like at the extreme end of the thing. Like what what's happening in preparation phase is like mm -hmm. your tendons, your joints. If you're training well, right, like they become more proportional, mm -hmm. and you become a better all around athlete. Exactly. Right. The other thing that's amazing why we even train with kettlebells to begin with is it offers you so much asymmetry, mm -hmm. which fires up your core in a way that if you're training symmetrically, doesn't. Right. So take that off. And now all of a sudden the other side has to pull its weight. Mm -hmm. Right. And that fires it up stronger than if you're doing symmetrical work. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, phase one just being able to successfully exercise exactly and there are like a ton of drills to work on that um mm -hmm. the precision of clean and jerk is such that if we could assign each main phase of the exercise and there's like probably between five to twelve depending on how like right. big you want to be <laughs> about it um so we have each main phase and you could hit a drill down menu like on one of those phases and boom, like explode oh, yeah. 12 performance Easy. points, <laughs> you know, so you've got maybe 60 to 120 sub skills to master, mm -hmm. which is another reason why it's just it's so good for your brain. It is just learning. Mm -hmm. But that's phase one. Right. Phase two is starting to build some volume so that you can now successfully integrate it into your workout. So maybe you do five minutes of clean and jerk before um, a regular lifting workout, or you do it as a technical finisher, or you do it for cardio purposes, right? And then phase three is really deciding you want to do an event, mm -hmm. and then kind of launching up launching. into that event. Taking that now, step and going for it. Right. Yeah. Now, you experience that differently the second time. Yes. Because we are we are kettlebell mm -hmm. lifters here, mm -hmm. right? Um, so somebody who is going cold, either from regular weightlifting or from just mm -hmm. cardio or from no activity, they're going to experience a different training trajectory. Mm -hmm. um, we typically run the Nobel down in the middle of October, mm -hmm. which means for those of us that are taking it, like, okay, quasi seriously, right? Like I'm not on the IKMF circuit. I'm not hitting three or four of these a year. Right. Like I'm doing it once, once a, year a year because, because I have other kettlebell stuff uh -huh. to do. Um, like the five and 10 minute divisions. I have uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu that I train that I'm heavily involved in. And then I still have to stay in shape for the Marines, which is pesky because I have to take a semi-annual fitness test, but like yep. you have to do well on those and I want to be competitive. So sometimes you have to derail your training mm -hmm. just to get into a different event. But for me, what has always made sense is a six week run up into mm -hmm. Nobel down for the kettlebell lifter, lifter right right so we're coming off of a summer of doing five and ten minute events doing mm -hmm. a lot of double bell work right. and now really it's, it's nice because maybe the arm gets to take more weight than when you're doing double bell mm -hmm. but the legs get to do about 50 percent yep which is awesome <laughs> right and then yep. you have a little more wiggle room in your technique mm -hmm. but we're still trying to find efficiency mm -hmm. so week one we kind of acclimatize to the single bell. Right. Right. And at a lighter weight, mm -hmm. just really dialing, dialing in the technicalness. Yeah. Week two, you experience your first longer set, mm -hmm. like 15 minutes, just getting used to it. There's a lot of uh, core strength and lower back flexibility mm -hmm. and um, kind of dialing into your equipment, but we're still feeling things out. Right. By the time that we are eh, three to four weeks out, we've hit a half marathon. Yes. Which 
should feel pretty darn hard at this point mm -hmm. because you're still adapting to this kind of training, mm -hmm. right? But that half marathon is a good indication of where you are. Unfortunately, it is a terrible indicator for how you're going to perform in the whole hour, right? Yes, because you still have um, a whole another 30 minutes and yeah. so much can happen in the, those next 30 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> but by this point, we begin to uh, train a little more nerd style mm -hmm. and we realize, okay, what was my total reps at the end of the half marathon? What was my tempo? And we try to dial in a tempo. Mm -hmm. Then we start to refine things like, okay, am I actually going to watch the clock and, and try to send a rep every on the time hack or whatever? Mm -hmm. um, or am I going to free form it? Right. Um, and what we want to do is find an excuse for the tempo that you need to hit to make mathematical sense. Right. All right. I was dealing with something really hard. I was attempting to get seven reps a minute, mm -hmm. which the nerd math on that. You can try to divide 60 seconds by seven and get something really weird. <laughs> yes. Or you can realize that you have to hit rep number four at mm -hmm. 30, seconds 30 seconds every minute. Yep. Then it's just three on one side, three on the other side, and rep four in the middle. Mm -hmm. Right? Then that becomes a little bit easier. Right. Um, so now I think I was doing a shot at 52, uh, 44, 36-ish, 38, mm -hmm. and then 30, and then the other side similar to that. Right. Um, the problem is, is you end up with a little bit of asymmetry, mm -hmm. which if you have a couple extra seconds to breathe after a cycle of seven, that's mm -hmm. okay. I was switching hands after every seven, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And so that takes a little bit of extra time. Then you'd have mm -hmm. a couple extra breaths and then reset. Right. That went great for 30 minutes. <laughs> and then it got horrible. <laughs> so the full story on my last one was... Uh, I got really, really sick Yes. two weeks prior mm -hmm. to the event, and that was brutal. It was. And then I was just coming out of that, and I did my confirmation set, mm -hmm. which should be the last thing you do. Um, you know how most marathon runners don't actually run a full marathon to confirm it before they do it? Same mm -hmm. thing here. You don't need to practice being miserable. Um, <laughs> you just want to, you know, like do enough to know that you probably can make Enjoy. it to the end, and mm -hmm. then just like I hope you can hold on to your tempo. Right. Um, so... I did a 45-minute confirmation set, mm -hmm. and it was horrible. And right at 30 minutes, like, my heart rate just, like, jumped up into my throat, and I couldn't maintain seven reps a minute anymore. Okay. Uh, but right after being sick, that slammed me down for the remaining 15 minutes, and I was mm -hmm. holding on to four to five reps per minute, mm -hmm. which is terrible, because if you have a fast beginning and then a slow ending, why don't we just moderate that a little right. bit? Right. But what ended up happening on game day... Um, is same thing, seven reps a minute for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Felt awful in heart rate at the end of that. Right. Right. But then I was able to hold on to six reps the about. Right. There were a couple minutes that felt awful. I got like four or five, but then mm -hmm. I was able to get back up and then a sprint at the finish kind of evened it out. Mm -hmm. So it ended up being like, I don't know, six and a half-ish reps per minute, per minute to the end, maybe a little bit slower than that. Um, so mm -hmm. now my mission, if I choose to accept it, is trying to hit seven reps a minute, mm -hmm. but giving a little more time to adapt to the heart rate of that. Right. So I'll probably want to hit my half marathon earlier in the cycle right. and then spend more time in the 30 to 40 minute range mm -hmm. um, and then make my final assault on game day. Right. Yeah. Um, so you have to find a tempo. Mm -hmm. You may want to hack your brain and find a series of performance points to roll through. So you do like... Mm -hmm. Five reps thinking about your feet, five right. reps thinking about your core, 
five reps thinking about your elbow, kind mm-hmm. of shifting the uncomfortableness. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. But there's no, there's no managing it once it gets hard. No, there isn't. Right? And it's, I think the biggest thing there is when it starts getting hard is just, you know, where that mental capacity comes in to tell yourself to calm down. It's going to be fine. Yeah. You're not going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I know, like, when I was doing, I think, my 30-minute set, there was a point where, I think, 10 minutes before 30 minutes were up, I kind of panicked a little bit, and I actually had to stop just because my breathing got so out of control, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, that panic set for me. Yeah. And I think it was, like, a breathing yeah. thing, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I can't breathe. And well, then, and you also had... You were having a very bad week. I was, you had, yes. You had some personal <laughs> things going on, but it goes to show how managing overall stress load, because between mm-hmm. your personal drama yeah. and between me getting really <laughs> sick, like we both had difficult run-ups into this. We did. Right? And you have to manage mm-hmm. that across the whole part of the training load. But that's, I mean, that's why, that's why we lift on a team. Yep. That's why we train together. That's mm-hmm. why we coach other people and help them manage that mm-hmm. so that you're not you're not alone. Now you're responsible for your results. Exactly. But you're not But it's um, part of a team effort too. Yeah, you're not you're not alone in the whole process. So yeah. joining a team, absolutely critical. Yes. Um getting coaching to actually accomplish the movements, absolutely mm-hmm. critical. There are technical aspects of the lift that if they are not correct, they will not count. Yes. Right. So if you're if you're lifting for fun, if you're lifting for charity, if you're lifting for personal challenge, mm-hmm. cool. Come do something fun. Enjoy it. Um, there's a lot of people that are strong enough that could come and just do it. Although mm-hmm. I caution you, some of the best athletes that I've known, uh, they crumble when it comes to kettlebells. <laughs> yes. One of my close friends, he just passed special forces selection in the Marines, mm-hmm. and he was interested in like this kind of training and I was telling him what I was doing. He attempted 10 minutes with the 24 kilogram said it was the most miserable, <laughs> like the most miserable 10 minutes of his life. And this is coming from somebody like two or three weeks out of special forces selection. So like he's, he's mentally, he's yep. fit. He's mentally good with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like he has no problem with that. And yet this just wrecked him. Yeah. Right. So you do have to prep a little bit. Um, yeah, but it's, it's an important thing. Um, Anyways, we're probably running long on time. There's mm-hmm. so much to talk about. There is. We can nerd out to this all day long. <laughs> all day long. And I, I wish that I could share all of that with you, um, you know, just because we're so into it. But yeah. I feel like some of it you just have to experience. If, if they have listened to this point, like they're into they're it. Inter- yeah, right? they're interested. If they haven't listened to this it. point, <laughs> then they're, they're not into it. Um, yeah, we lost them a long time ago. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, maybe, maybe a more clear presentation next time would be good. Mm-hmm. Nerd stats. Yes. Nerd, Nerd stats. stats. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like micro, <laughs> meso, <laughs> macro <laughs> cycles. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but that's good. So invitation extended to you. Reach out, um, ask for training, reach out, just asking about like, what is this weird thing that we're doing? Mm-hmm. You'll find it really rewarding, really challenging. You will change, but don't do it alone. Get coaching. Yes. Don't hurt yourself. Um, don't, don't just be a loner. No, right. It's. I think it's more fun yeah. when you have other people doing it with you, especially yeah. when you have certain points where you're mm-hmm. just really struggling and don't know what you're doing wrong. That's we're having a partner uh-huh. and coaching uh-huh. you. Like, hey, 
fix this up yep. a little bit, that's what's going on. Absolutely. It definitely helps. So the the uh, the partner coaching is great. Like it you need a master coach, mm -hmm. but you also need a partner coach. Oh yeah. So yeah. Anyways, um, come work out with us. Come hang out with us. Be good. Right. Love it. Thanks. Bye.